If you have your Bible, um, you can turn to Genesis 18 because that's where we're going to spend a lot of time today in the Scripture. Like I said, this is something that the Lord laid on my heart this morning. I, I was all set to preach what I was planning to preach, but this just began to burn on my heart this morning, and, and I, I just want to share it with you. So we're going we're gonna to look at Genesis chapter 18, a lot of the passage there. But first, I want us to understand something, that we live in a physical realm. We call it this world. We call it our home, earth, this planet that we live on. This is our physical realm. We understand how things work here. You know, if you take a ball and you throw it up, it's going to fall down. If you, if you spill water on the floor, it's going to get wet. We understand that we need oxygen in order to breathe. We understand these things because this is the world in which we live. But if you look, take a close look at the Bible, there is not just this realm that we live in, but there is another realm that exists, and it's called the spiritual realm. And for some reason, a lot of people are afraid to talk about the spiritual realm because we don't want to be one of those people that believe there's a demon behind every rock and there's a, a, a evil spirit everywhere we go. And, and, we don't, and so we kind of overplay that and we just dumb it down then. Matter of fact, one of the church fathers, um, Augustine or Augustine, however you want to pronounce it, he really didn't like the spiritual realm and started to desensitize a lot of, or sanitize a lot of the spiritual language of the Bible and started teaching a lot more of a, a sanitized outlook of the Bible. But I want to challenge you that if you begin to look in Scripture, you're going to see there's a whole different realm that is out there. And matter of fact, this was not just an Old Testament thought. This was something that carried on to the New Testament and still exists today. And I'll give you an example of this. You don't have to turn there. But in Ephesians, Paul says this, Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Once, once already you start to see that Paul is setting up this, this scene that there is a fight that's going on and that the devil is scheming, he's deceiving, he's working to destroy us, to, as Jesus said, to steal, kill, and destroy. And so Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against, and I want you to put this in the context of what Paul is speaking about, against the authorities, the rulers, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul has a clear understanding that there are, there are things that are happening in this world today, schemes and plans of destruction and killing and stealing of your life, of your family, of your territory, of where your home, wherever you are, there are things that are in work today and they are not just involved in just this earthly realm, but there is a act, a, a war that is happening in the heavenly realms because Paul says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, meaning not against us as people, not against us here in this world, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, 
and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So now we start to see that Paul understands that there is a physical realm, what we could see, touch and smell and all those things, but there is also a spiritual realm that is around us as well. And I think it's very important that we never lose sight of the spiritual realm that is at work or that exists in this world. Because we live in the physical realm, because we are surrounded by everything we can see, touch, smell, and sense with our senses, we lose sight and connection to the spiritual realm. And I challenge you this, that if you lose connection with the heavenly and the spiritual realm, you will only see half the picture. You will only see half of the story. A great example of this is the book of Job. I had a friend, <laughs> I gave my book to one of my friends. He says, and I was telling him, explaining to him the story of Job. He goes, oh man, I'm so glad you explained that because I kept calling him Job. But anyways, so in the book of Job, in the book of Job is a great example because if you see the book of Job, if you take away the first couple chapters, what do you see? You see Job that is trying to explain to his friends why he's righteous, why he's okay. And his friends see the results of what God has done in his life. And they say, listen, God is punishing you. You're evil. You've done something wrong. Why don't you just repent? Why don't you give up your piousness, Job? And Job says, no, I've done nothing wrong. And you see this dialogue, and finally at the end, God steps in. But if you take away those first two chapters, you have no context of what's happening here. But those first two chapters are there for a reason, because it is the devil who is going around looking for an accusation, looking for someone to, to corrupt. And God says, why don't you check out Job? Why don't you see him? There is something happening in the spiritual realm that none of them could see, including Job. So there is so much more happening in your world today than you can see. And I want to tell you that, that God is doing so much on your behalf behind the scenes. And we lose focus of that. We lose, we lose encouragement and we lose faith and we lose hope because we don't see what God is doing. All we see is this world. All we see is what we hear and what we know in what we think because of what we see and what we touch and what we experience here. You can never lose connection with the spiritual world because it's only half the story if you do. And why do I say this? Because I think it's so important that we connect the full or put together the full picture of what's happening. You see, if you just look at my life from the outside, you say, well, he's a, I mean, he's, he's got an okay church. Don't ever say that to me personally, because I would say, no, I got a great church. I love you guys. But, you know, he's got an okay-sized church, and, you know, it's, he's just a little rural town pastor, and, you know, and, I mean, he's a fantastic preacher, no doubt about that. But, but you know, he's just, he's, he's just Midwest preacher. And that's what you would see. But that's only half the story. Because God is doing so much more behind the scenes. God is moving on our behalf, on behalf of our church, on behalf of your families. 
You can never lose focus that there is a whole picture that, that is being painted here. But if we only see the physical, if we only see the, what we can see and touch and taste and smell, then we lose sight of the fact that God is doing so much more. I do believe that our nation is going to experience a great revival. And I believe that revival is going to happen here in Fairmont. I believe that because there's been preachers over the year who said that every time they came to Fairmont, it was like this black cloud hovering over this place. And it was like this evil presence that just would not let it go, like strongholds were here. And God said, I got the perfect stubborn person to send. Pete, go. And I just and I just keep trying and trying and things would get worse and worse and struggles. Why? Because that's only half the picture. What I don't see. But what I know is happening, God is preparing people that when the moment comes, when people begin to be awakened to the spirit of God, people are going to return back to him. And I believe that our nation is going to experience a great revival because I believe that Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon. People say, wow, people have been saying that for centuries. Great. But we're one second closer. We're one second closer. We're one second closer. And there's this urgency, if you look in the Bible, there's an urgency of waiting for the Lord and his return. And it's just gotten so much more urgent in our time today. Look at the things that are happening overseas and look at the things that are happening here. There's a destruction, a purposeful scheming of the enemy trying to destroy our nation, our communities, our homes. So that's why I believe there's a great revival. And I don't look at what's happening in just the physical realm. I want to see and I want to know that there's something happening in the spiritual realm. But if we lose connection with the spiritual realm, we'll never understand that. We'll lose hope. We'll get discouraged. So the challenge is, how do we see this spiritual realm? How do we know that it exists so prominent in Scripture? And I I want to make a, a little promise to you is that if you begin to see the spiritual side of the Bible, because there is a lot of supernatural stuff that happens in the Bible. If you begin to see that supernatural stuff, you'll never look at the Bible the same. It's an amazing story. Okay, so let's look at Genesis chapter 18. It says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Memra while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. And Abraham looked up and saw three men, say three men, three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree and let me get something for you to eat and so that you can refresh and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Who answered? The three men, right? So very well, they answered. Do you say, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent of Sarah. Quick, get three sheaves of the finest flour needed and bake some tortillas. And the, I'm sorry, I was reading from my translation. Bake some bread. And then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to his servant who hurried and prepared it. And then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set them before him. And notice what the scripture says. While they ate. While they ate. So these three men come. Abraham recognizes that these guys are special. Goes out and gets this, these, 
cheese curds and, and, and calf and bread, and he gives it to them. And the Bible says that while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Abraham's watching. And then one of them says, where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind them. And Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself and thought, after I'm worn out my my husband is old, will I now have this pleasure? You notice what happened. Sarah did not say this out loud. She laughed to herself as she thought. Then, verse 13, then the Lord said to Abram, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am, that, that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. I want us to just think about this text and what it is saying to us here. Because who came to Abraham? Three men. But did you notice how it started off? The Lord appeared to Abraham. But the text tells us three men. Three men came, and, and Abraham is having a dialogue with these men because he goes and says, listen, I want to give you something to eat for your journey. Okay, you know, go and do what you say. They, they all sit down and they eat. They eat. Then one of them said, I will surely return. One of them, one of the men said, I will return and Sarah will have a child. And Sarah thought to herself, did not say it out loud, how is this even possible? I'm old. I can't do this. And yet, it said, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say this? Do you see what's happening in this text? Here you have three men that come to Abraham. He recognizes that these men are something different than ordinary men. All of a sudden, one of them says that Sarah's going to have a son. Sarah doesn't say anything out loud, kind of chuckles and thinks to herself. And yet this, one of these men was able to read her mind and tell her, why did you say that? Why did you laugh? Why did you think this? And if you notice, it said in verse 13, then the Lord said to Abraham. And then verse 14, the same man that's talking, the Lord is talking. He says, I will return to you at a point in time. The man who spoke to Abraham was the Lord. This is pretty interesting because God appeared to Abraham. And how did Abraham see him? As a man. As a man. Isn't this the same thing, the reason why Paul says, be careful? Because when you entertain people, you might be entertaining angels. So what does this tell us? That, that these spiritual entities, angels, have the ability to come here on earth. And when they come here, what do they look like? People. 
And yet, one of these people was the Lord himself. Because it says, the Lord said, the Lord said, I will return. Look at verse 16. Now the text goes back to this and says, when the men got up to leave, notice the text once again, when the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, once again, the Lord is speaking. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all the nations will be blessed through him. For I have chosen, for I have chosen him so that I would direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so the Lord will bring about from Abraham what, was, what he has promised him. Verse 20, then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. So here you have this picture of these men come. Abraham recognizes that these guys are different than just ordinary men. He wants to give them and offer some food to them. And they, the Bible says they all ate. Is there any evidence that God would eat? Well, remember after Jesus was raised from the dead and he was there on the beach watching the, the, the disciples fish? And the Bible says that he was there and he, what was he doing? He was making fish for breakfast. Ugh. You know, <laughs> give me some sausage. You know, give me some eggs, not some sardines. I mean, what kind of breakfast is that? But he was there eating. He was eating. Isn't it pretty funny that when we go to heaven, we're going to have what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb? People like to say, oh, that's just a, an allegory, a beautiful words of literature. No, it's food, man. We're going to eat. And I'll tell you what, it is calorie-free, baby. It is calorie-free. There's something about this nature that God has made us that we get to enjoy food. We get to enjoy it. And so it says that in chapter 18 that these men ate. Abraham provided food. They ate. Then it says they went up to go leave. Then, then the Lord said to Abraham, hey, should we, are we going to hide what we're going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah? No, let's tell them. So he tells them. And it says that as they were going, verse 22, the men turned away and went to Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. So is the Lord the extra character in the story, or is he a part of the three? Look at how verse 19 starts, or chapter 19 starts off. The two angels arrived at Sodom. The two. Why? Because one stayed, and it was the Lord. That's why the Bible says that Abraham remained standing before the Lord. The Bible lets us know that the other two men with the Lord were angels. Because once the Lord has been separated from these two men, their true identity is revealed. They're angels. And it's the angels that went to Sodom and Gomorrah while Abraham stand, remained standing before the Lord. This is a fascinating text here. And like I said, if you don't look at it and see the spiritual realm, we just will just breeze right over that text. I mean, let's be honest. How many times have we read this text and we just 
look at it and we don't even think twice about it because we think God is just speaking to Abraham maybe from heaven or whatever and we don't realize that these were actual men that were talking to Abraham. And then Abraham and God stay while the two angels go because there were three and now two. So this is, the, this is why I asked this question. How did Abraham know that it was God? How did Abraham know that it was the Lord? Because if you look at this from an accurate point of view, God never reveals his name until Moses. God never reveals his name until Moses. Because Moses says, hey, if you want me to go and deliver all these people, then you got to let me know who's sending them. What's your name? I need to know your name. And that's when he, God says that I am who I am. His name wasn't known. He was simply... God. But Abraham grew up with a whole bunch of gods in his life. Matter of fact, Joshua 24 tells us this. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, lived among the Euphrates River and worshiped other gods. Look at, the, look at the story of Abraham's life. He is growing up under his father's care, and they are living in Mesopotamia, this Babylonian area. They are in this midst of all these different gods and pagan worship and all these different lords, all these idols, everything that you could imagine is there in Mesopotamia. And it's out of this context that God begins to speak to Abraham. Because in the book of Acts, Stephen tells us in chapter 7 that God spoke to Abraham even before he left Mesopotamia. Even before he lived in Haran with his father, God was speaking to him. And so the question that I ask, how did Abraham know that it was God? I ask you this, how do you know when God speaks to you? How do you know when God appears to you? reveals himself to you how do you know what he says many times in my life God has told me to do things and I've questioned and I've stalled and I've dragged my feet and then finally I will yield because I believe it's the Lord speaking to me has it always worked out perfectly no but I truly believe that God wants to speak to us and, and if God can reveal himself to Abraham who grew up knowing all different types of gods, and if God can reveal himself to Abraham, why won't he do that for us? He will and he has. So how do you know God's voice? Turn back with me to Genesis 15. Give you a little background why Abraham knew God's voice. Because when, in chapter 18, when these three men came, Abraham knew something was up. And matter of fact, Abraham knows that it's God because he pleads for the mercy of saving his nephew Lot. Because God, he tells God, Lord, will you judge the wicked with the righteous? If 50 people are there, would you spare the city? Yes, and he goes on and finally gets them down to 10. And God knows there's no more than 10 people there that are righteous. We're going to destroy the city, but he got Lot out. Abraham knew it was the Lord. How did he know? Look at back at verse, chapter 15, verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. This is before he changed his name. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. 
Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And one of my, uh, one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. Then Abram said, You've given me no children, so your servant in my household will become my heir. Verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but the son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, look up to the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. be. Abram believed the Lord and credited him as righteousness. Abraham grew up in a context where he worshipped many different gods. They had all different types of gods there. His father, Abraham's father, was an idol worshiper, worshipped and sacrifice to all these different gods. And yet out of that, Abraham knows God. Why? Because the Bible says that in verse 1 here, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. I want you to know this, that the word of God is how you know his voice. The word of God is how you know his voice. The Bible says that the word of God came to Abram in a vision. Then it says in verse 4, the word of God came to him. And then verse 5, he took him outside. Think about this, that God's voice revealed by the word was so strong and his presence was so manifested in Abraham that Abraham was willing to follow the word. According to the text, Abraham followed the word. How do you follow sound waves? Come. You know, it's kind of like in a swimming pool, Marco Polo. You know, the people who cheat never yell Marco. You know, you follow the voice. You follow because you can't see. The voice was so strong to Abram that he was willing to go outside. I believe this. I believe that when those three men came in chapter 18... Abraham knew why because they spoke to him and Abram remembered the voice. He remembered the voice, the word. The word of the Lord came to him. It was revealed to him. The word of the Lord spoke to him. The word of the Lord led him outside to see the stars. It's the word of God that Abraham knew. It's his voice, his words revealed to Abraham. I tell you today, it is the same for us today. God's written word is how we know God's voice. I do not claim to be a prophet. I do not claim to be someone who knows God's voice as clear as day. But I do know this. I do know God's voice. I do know God's voice. And it didn't start because I have some special spiritual ears. It starts because I'm willing to pick up my Bible and to read the written record, the word of God, and to hold on to it and believe what it says. It is because of the word. Jesus said this, that my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus did not lie to us that we as his sheep have the ability to know the voice of God. How do we know? We know it because of Jesus. Listen to what Hebrews 1 says, chapter 1, verse 1. In the past... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Once again, it's God's voice speaking. 
It says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir over all things and through whom all this universe was made. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful world, word. And after he provides uh, purification from sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Listen to what it says, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The author of Hebrews says, listen, God would speak to people through prophets, through all different types of means. But today he speaks to us through his son. Jesus. Who is his son? Jesus. He's the one who promised in John 14 that I will send an advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name and will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Look at this. Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you and he is going to speak on my behalf and remind you of what I have said. Who is Jesus? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. He is the word of God. I want you to understand that we must hold on to the word of God because it is this word, according to John 1:14, uh, that comes down and makes his dwelling among us. It is this word, Jesus, who is now the living, active word of God in our life. If you want to know God's voice, if you want to be sure that when God appears to you, when God speaks to you, you better know the word of God. And who is the word? His name is Jesus. He is Jesus. You must hold on to what the, the whole picture that the Bible is painting. That there is a physical realm that we live in. And we go to work and we understand how things work. We eat our food. We go to bed. We go to work. We go through routine. But there is also the other half of the story. It is the heavenly realms. And there is a war that is being waged on your behalf against you and for you. That God is going to give you the victory. He has given you the victory of salvation already. But he can give you that victory today in your life. He will answer the needs that you have prayed for. He will meet the miracles that you need him to do. Why? Because he is still living and active and he is moving on your behalf. You may not see what God is doing for you. You may not even know the plans that he has got for you. But I'll tell you this. He is moving on your behalf because his realm, the heavenly realm is still there. But the only way we're going to understand what he's doing is by holding on to his word. It's his word. It's Jesus. This morning as I was getting ready for church, I was thinking about this subject. How do I know your voice? How do I know you? And it simply came because God says, you know my word. Abraham knew the voice of God. But see, you have to be willing to hear the voice. Because we can ignore. The Holy Spirit isn't going to grab you and say, hey, this is what God wants to say. He's a gentleman. You have free will. You have choice. And that's why the Bible says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit because we can reject him. We can learn not to listen. But if you want to know the voice of God, you must understand that it's through his word. I want you to be people of the word. I don't want to be a a Christian who just goes through the routines and, and has a good life. I want to be someone who knows God. 
I want, that's my desire because I just want to know him. I want to know what his word says. And when I read the story of Abraham and see how God revealed himself through his word, God, I want to know you because we're no different than Abraham. We're growing up in a world where there are so many gods, so many voices, so many things that are out there that distract us and that are trying to hide and trying to deceive and trying to lead us away from our creator. We see it through television. We hear it through music. We read about it in magazines and books. We watch it on on movie screens, everything that leads us away from God. And yet God wants us to know him. And we can know him if we hold on to the word. There is a spiritual realm that is there. And that realm, that realm is working against us in the evil. But God is working for us in the good. And we will have victory. So when you want to know God's voice, hold on to his word. Get into the Bible. Get into the Bible. You know, a lot of people say, well, I don't, I, I don't understand the Bible. That's okay. Just read the Bible. Just read the Bible. God will, God will reveal it to you. You know, you got to understand something. God wants to speak to you. He wants to tell you and to talk to you because he wants that relationship with us. As we talk about this world and this realm and the spiritual things that are going on, Later on, as we talk about this subject, I want you to know that you're never going to be at peace until you know his word. So get into his word. That's your assignment for this week. Get into his word. Start reading the Bible and let the Holy Spirit teach you. You know, the Bible says that that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. You know what that means? That he will guide us into all truth. That he will reveal the truth. And if you don't understand it, that's okay. Ask the Holy Spirit to help. Call me up. Say, hey, I read this verse. What does this mean? And I will tell you what I usually tell people. I don't know. Let me look it up. <laughs> right? Because I'm not perfect. But get to know God's word. And so, listen, I, I believe that this message was for us today. I do. And it starts with getting to know God's word. Getting to know God's word. Abraham knew God when he saw him, when he heard him. We can know him too. It's through Jesus Christ.